I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, the trouble with the Bay Area's mega housing projects. My guest today, J.K. Deneen, is back. He covers housing for the Chronicle, and he's been writing about how heavily the region's housing pipeline, those are the units that developers are planning to build in the future, correct me if I'm wrong, J.K. That's right are tied up in these huge projects like Treasure Island in San Francisco that people see when they drive along the freeway. could be Brooklyn Basin near downtown Oakland. And why that can be so dicey. J.K., thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, Damien. So, J.K., you start in the year 2000 and 2011. What happens then that puts us on a a course for these mega projects? Um, So, in... 2011 and and early 2012, the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco were very, very busy. They were busy approving these massive multi-phase mega projects on on three different properties. Um, One of them was uh, the Hunter's Point Shipyard um, and Candlestick Point, where they approved um, around 12,000 housing units, along with a whole bunch of office space and institutional campus for school and um, commercial space for biotech companies to to move into. Um, They followed that with uh, approval of um, Treasure Island, which was another uh, now 8,000 units of housing. And again, a whole bunch of parkland and one third affordable. Um, Both those projects have roughly one third of the units are, um, are below market rate. Um, and, uh, and then finally they approved, uh, Park Merced, which is a little different because it's not a former military base, nor is it a former industrial, uh, uh, property, but what it is, is a, an existing kind of low density apartment community where. Oh, by San Francisco state people. Yeah. Out by San Francisco state, 19th Avenue. Um, a lot of students live there, older people. And the idea is to take. There's a lot of kind of walk-up garden-style, low-density type apartments um, that were built after World War II and replace those with taller, higher-density um, apartments and, and kind of more than double the, the population of that apartment community. And now we're in this big housing crisis. We were back then, too, but it's, it's only gotten worse. Why are these politically such a, such a big deal? And why is so much of the housing pipeline tied up in them? Right. So, you know, the, in, in some senses, the city did its work. They, they, you know, spent years and years and years doing environmental review for these projects, hammering out deals with neighbors, with the unions, with affordable housing advocates, with all the different constituencies that, that make up the city family. Um, and, and then, uh, and then what, what's happened since then, right? It's, um, you would think that by now you would have thousands of new places for people to live, right? But that hasn't been the case because these projects are, are so complicated, are so fraught with obstacles that, that in fact, uh, nearly ten years after these these all of these units were approved, um, something like one point three percent of them have actually been built. There's been three hundred and fifty homes built at the Hunters Point Shipyard, um, and uh, and then there and that's it. Actually, those are the those are the only completed units out of all three of these massive mega projects. And then there's another two hundred and sixty six condos under construction on Treasure Island. 
So, um, you know, given the the many tens and thousands of hours of of staff time, of consultants, the millions of dollars spent hatching these plans and 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 engineers and and fancy architects from all over the world coming in and and meetings that lasted um, you know till midnight, uh, hundreds of community meetings uh, have yielded very few places for people to actually like lay their head on a pillow at night. It's been um, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know if I'm like other people, but when I'm driving by these projects around the Bay Area and especially in San Francisco, I'm constantly looking over from the freeway and trying to note progress, um, but it's incredibly slow. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to say that. I know, um, you know, Irish guys that drive around in pickup trucks who have built more housing uh, in the last 10 years than, than these, you know, multinational corporations um, that are, you know, in charge of the, these large projects. And, and I'm not blaming them, but that's just the reality. Yeah. And why do we tie so much into this? I mean, um, there's so much politically at stake, as you write about in housing um, regarding what are considered what infill projects, um, the smaller developments in places like San Francisco. Why are so much tied into these big projects and, and not into more infill? Well, I mean, some of these big projects were very controversial and remain so, but many of them can, you know, you can have a, a six hour planning commission hearing on a, on a, uh, two-story addition, you know, <laughs> that would yield about four, many, many four times. units or eight units. Um, and, and that can go on much longer than, than a, a project that, you know, like Pier 70 that, that um, in, in San Francisco or, or India Basin that, that, you know, will create thousands of units. So um, uh, you get more bang for your buck. And, that, you know, we don't have a lot <laughs> of available. bang for your controversy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't have a lot of land in San Francisco, so you know we kind of have to rely on these big military bases, and yeah. So yeah, well, you talk to obviously a lot of people. You have always talked to the development, the developer community quite a bit, as well as the governments. I mean, what is the sort of array of challenges that has has made progress so slow? Well, I mean, part of it is is that the negotiations up front. Um, uh, developers, in order to get approvals, do uh, rightly so agree to a whole bunch of things that are good for the the city. Um, they agree to transportation improvements, you know, whether that's extending a, a you know public transit line, building a new station, um, fixing roads, bike lanes, pedestrian. You know, they they agree to parks and and schools. You know, Pardon me. Yeah, new schools for the children that are going to live in these communities. They agreed to afford, you know, affordable housing, maybe twenty five percent or thirty percent or thirty five percent of the units that will that will be subsidized. Um, they often agree to um, to you know a project labor agreement with the unions. So they're agreeing to they they sign. Um, uh, deals with the building trades where they that they'll use union labor, which is more expensive than the non-union labor, obviously. And then there are issues with environmental cleanup often on these industrial sites or former military sites. Um, and so it all starts to add up. It adds up, you know. And I mean, we just saw in the case of Concord Weapon Station that you know the the developer in that, which is Lennar. Uh, had agreed to all those things I just mentioned, but they 
the the question of the labor agreement was kind of left till the end. And now they're in a situation where they put four years of planning into this and they have come to the conclusion that if they sign a labor agreement, that their profits will go from 17% to just under 0%. And so they're like, well, we can't do the They're sort of back to square project. one, right? Right. They say that the, the difference between signing a deal with the building trade union and not signing the deal is um, $542 million. And that's basically what they had expected to make uh, in terms of profits. I mean, the the labor unions, you know, disagree with their numbers and their analysis. And, you know, there's probably, um, you know, it's it's more complicated than that. But the bottom line is now you have four years of work. This is the largest, this is the weapons station in Concord. It's got a BART station on the property. It's the largest housing development in the Bay Area. It's been in the works for 10, 15 years. Lennar has been working on it and spent $15 million over the last three and a half years. The city has spent $15 million on it. And now the developer may walk away. Um, really go back to scratch. And then they'll have to find a new developer <laughs> and a new plan and figure out, you know, how can they make how can they how can the project be profitable enough to draw a developer while still um appeasing the unions and providing the kind of you know middle class jobs that Concord wants and you know Concord's a fairly blue collar town with a lot of um construction workers that live there um and electricians and plumbers and proud union members and and the politically you know they're they're not going to allow a project to go forward that that isn't substantially union. Let's take a quick break, and when we return, more with J.K. Deneen on Fifth and Mission. You quoted uh, Scott Weiner, um, who obviously has been pushing SB fifty, the controversial um, bill that would bring more dense housing around uh, transportation in the Bay Area. But I thought it was. It was really interesting um, the way he phrased it. He was talking about, hey, let's not let these be an excuse for not doing, you know, this infill housing, the more dense housing around transportation. And so there was an interesting dynamic between the two kinds of projects. Yeah. No, I mean, the yeah, as he says, uh, people don't live in building permits. You know, they live in homes. So if you're going to the state and you're saying, look, we're doing amazingly well. We have, <laughs> have 30,000 homes. You know, I think the, in Contra Costa County, the weapons station represents like 80 percent of the housing pipeline. Wow. It's a huge amount. And so, um, you know, that's and, and you do see like people who are against growth and density on the west side of San Francisco do point to are the huge number of projects that the city has approved. Um, and you know, that's like, why, why do we're doing more than our share, you <laughs> sure. know? Right. Yeah. No, it, it looks good on the blueprints. Yeah. Um, so you write a lot about how a lot of these properties are former military bases, but that has brought its own set of challenges, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're dealing with, um, the U S Navy, not a small bureaucracy. <laughs> um, and you're dealing with, you know, with, dirty sites and the the navy wasn't the best steward of land and 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 you know in the case of the of the shipyard in San Francisco they spent a billion dollars on cleanup and then they were 
there have been all kinds of allegations about um, cheating on the cleanup, and there's been lawsuits, and there were indictments. Convictions. Two guys went to jail, <laughs> and uh, and so um, you know the the Navy says it's clean, and you know, but they're starting to retest a bunch of soil, and and the people that have bought homes there are uh, are nervous and suing. At, and and suing, right? Yeah. yeah, they're they feel like they were misled as far as the information they were given when they bought their house, and um, and uh, and that's a you know, I mean, it's a, it's it's sad um, because we need the housing, and those were and you know, it's kind of beautiful up there. The housing, you know, it looks it's a it was shaping up to be kind of a <laughs> of a of a wonderful little hilltop neighborhood, and then uh, and then everything stopped. Yeah, of course. And people are obviously rightly concerned about you know, radioactive, radioactive waste in their, yeah, in their mean, neighborhood, and they want to feel like it's it's safe to move in. Absolutely. The developer's going to be dealing with that for the foreseeable future. Um, you do write about some success stories. I mean, Mission Bay, for example, we... You know, we see that that's a whole new neighborhood, and yeah. that, and it, you know, there was a lot of concern at the beginning about about what the demand would be out there, but but sometimes it works. Yeah, no, that's a great example of you know Southern Pacific Rail Railroad rail yards, and there was an old driving range which a lot of people miss out there. Oh, I remember that, but there yeah. wasn't much else. <laughs> and now you got uh, you know you got a hospital, you got the Warriors, you got like six thousand housing units, a whole bunch of affordable housing. Housing for you know low income families, for formerly homeless, for seniors. You've got market rate housing, very expensive rents, and two million dollar condos. You've got a whole bunch of new parks out there, and some you know it's starting to get lively um, as far as the, the the restaurants that have moved in. I mean Fourth Street, which is like the the it's supposed to be the retail strip, maybe isn't quite as charming or idiosyncratic as like Twenty Fourth Street, Noe Valley, or Cortland and Bernal Heights, but it, it's coming along. Um, and, and so that really, and there was a time, I must say that, that people wondered like, oh, biotech would never move to San Francisco. They don't want to be, you know, they're, they're happy down on the peninsula and, and they don't want to be near residential uses because people are afraid of the, you know, whatever voodoo magic they're doing in their <laughs> labs in there, uh, cloning humans or, um, so, I think that that's a good example of, you know, if it, it, it takes a lot of work and several decades, but that place is now built out. And I would say that it's despite bland architecture and other it, it's it's um, <laughs> it's a it's a pretty neat, neat neighborhood. Um, I think Bay Meadows in San Mateo, uh, which was developed by Wilson Meany, the same developer that's working on Treasure Island was, is a success. Um, the office space they filled there, the whole bunch of new housing, new retail. Um, there's a school, a private secondary school, I believe it is there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's another example of a very controversial lawsuits, everything. They, the neighbors threw everything at the developer that, that they could and delayed it for several years. But in the end, you have a uh, a development that added a whole bunch of housing and, and space for people to work in. So overall, after you looked at all these projects, I mean, you looked at about a, a dozen big projects. Uh, what were you left with? I mean, what's what's coming next? I mean, are, are all these things going to be built? I mean, I think um, one thing that that is is happening in San Francisco is that Mayor Breed uh, hired um, this guy Judson True to basically expedite these projects to just focus on the mega projects and like where 
where are the 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 points at which these projects are getting held up and you know it's there's a million agencies there's there's financing issues there's you know there so is it could it, is it public works is it you know is it street cuz most of these projects they need new streets they need utilities sewer everything and so you've got every agency you could imagine involved and so what are the and and you know sometimes the the you know the plans will get referred to fire and then they then they'll get stuck there for 6 months and then public works and so Jud, i think judson's doing a good job of of like really getting into the the nitty gritty details of of the projects and figuring out like how to keep them on track and get them back on track and in San Francisco for example Schlage Lock uh which is straddles the line between Brisbane and San Francisco mm-hmm. it's where they used to make locks um and then on the on the Brisbane side it was a it's a big landfill and so the San Francisco side finally after you know 5 years after the project was approved they're actually supposed to start construction this year and that's something that that uh you know it's it's taken a lot of work on the city's behalf and and uh and, and obviously a big legacy issue for the mayor yeah no for right. sure yeah get housing built yep all right well yep. jk thanks for coming back appreciate it thanks damien Thanks to my guest today, reporter J.K. Deneen, to Erica Carlos and King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.